You're listening to the Roanoke Valley Church Podcast. Today's sermon is from our study from the book of Ephesians in chapter 4, verses 7 through 16. Guest speaker Brian Hinkle preaches about the worthy life God has called us to live. His sermon titled, Only Forward, hits at the upward-moving trajectory God has equipped us to live by giving us gifts to mature the body of Christ. We invite you to visit us at RoanokeValleyChurch.org or on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Church more resources, sermons, and links to help you be a part of what God is doing in the Roanoke Valley. And now, enjoy today's sermon. Uh, man, oh my goodness, wow. It's great to be here with all of you. Um, the Roanoke Valley Church. What a church of great encouragement. Big time. For many, many, many people. For me personally, uh, but I, I, man, the multitudes and multitudes globally that have been impacted by the Roanoke Valley Church is immense. Uh, I'm sure you guys are reminded of that from time to time, but you're being reminded again today that, uh, that you do have a global footprint because of your faith and the encouragement that you've brought to so many. And, uh, and, and honestly, because you've lived out the scripture that we're going to look at today. Um, You know, I remember when the church was planted in 2004, guess what? I despised the Roanoke Valley Church. I did not like the Roanoke Valley Church. All my friends left from Hampton Roads to come here. And I did not like it. Dave Young left. That guy was helping me immensely. He was helping me so much. I was a young Christian. I had so many people leave. It wasn't cool at all. I did not enjoy it at all. I was bitter. I was angry. And I was like, man, God, I don't like that church. Wow, my friends leaving. All these people are helping me spiritually are going off to this Roanoke place. But here's the thing, though. I repented because my wife came from Roanoke. My wife came from Roanoke, and she is there. She's in the audience, but she's also right there. Um, we've been married for 11 years now, and uh, we have three boys, uh, and they're all here. So, uh, but yeah, uh, she was she was born at Lewis Gale. Went to William Fleming High School. Uh, and yeah, like John said, she was, a, she was a disciple here before the church was even here. But uh, I remember many a time staying at the Hooper's house when I'd come up and visit Lauren and, uh, and hang out with her. Thank you. And, uh, and go on dates with her and, and all that good stuff. And I've known Rolando for a long time and Sade for a long time. And Kevin, he's trying to ignore me right now, but he's right there. So, uh, but anyways, no. Uh, and the Duddings in the back, we were at there when they got engaged. I almost spoiled the surprise and, and said something, but I didn't. Uh, but we were there when they got engaged and been to many weddings, the Landis's weddings. I remember in India when we went there in 2004, that's kind of, I think personally, that's when the spark happened for the Landis's, the, the romance to, to bubble up to what it is today. But they might have a different story. But I was right next to them on that long flight. It was like John and Lindsay and me. And I was just like, uh, okay, I'll just talk over here across the aisle because I was like, was was kind of kind of pointless. Uh, but uh, yeah, I remember that uh, very very clearly. So, uh, but uh, but today uh, we're going to be in Ephesians four, um, um, and so I know you've been going through Ephesians, and uh, we've made the turn in the book of Ephesians. Paul has turned his eyes from who we are in Christ uh, because we have in in the first three chapters we've seen Christ's plan, we've heard his call. We've sensed his power. We've felt his love. And so for what end? For, for what? To the end that we might draw from being in Christ. Uh, and, and these resources 
are to live a worthy life. Uh, you've been talking about the worthy life, correct? Uh, and so today we're going to go into that worthy life that Paul talks about in Ephesians 4. Uh, you know, uh, he talks about the worthy life in Ephesians 4, verse 1. And so we're going to dive in a little bit further into what that worthy walk, that worthy life encompasses. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so go ahead, turn to Ephesians 4, and we're going to start in verse 7 right there. Hope you guys all had a great Thanksgiving while you're turning and clicking and flipping there. Um, we had a great Thanksgiving, and it was 61 degrees. 61 degrees in Roanoke. I was like, come on, this is great. We were outside playing soccer, having a good old time, and that's not typical at all. So, but, uh, but it was a really, really good time. So, uh, but we are in, uh, we're, we're in Ephesians 4, and, uh, you know, this, uh, this worthy life, it is a great encouragement to me. It's a great encouragement to me because it's, it's a life, right? It's, it's, it's a life. It's not some isolated hour or some, you know, on, on a Sunday, right, or at a, on a Wednesday evening. It's not some mammoth mountaintop experience that might happen to happen in Orlando, Florida, for some reason, of all places, or it might not even, it's not an isolated event where you're on the precipice of McAfee Knob, looking down into the valley where Lauren and I's first date was on January 30th, 2009. Or it's not looking at the stunning Cascade Falls and being like, ah, oh, this is worthy life. It's not these isolated things. This worthy life is a life, which means ongoing growth, ongoing growth in Christ. And I think, yes, sometimes the steps will be easier of this worthy life, and sometimes the steps will be harder in this worthy life. Sometimes the steps are higher steps, and it's higher ground, and they might be hard to get to. But, man, what they offer is immense and amazing to ourselves and to one another. And so while we live this worthy life, we get to remember that it is while we dwell in Christ and our God, who in Ephesians 3, verse 2, do I put it here? There? Okay. He says this, do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. And so let's go ahead and let's start reading Ephesians 4, starting in verse 7. It says, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean? Except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Awesome stuff. So most of this passage, it's actually written in a way that's all about growing up. Peter Pan would not like this passage whatsoever. He would dis dismiss this passage completely. But this chapter, it's about attaining to the measure you were always meant to be. To become equipped with mastery, with skill, with, with forget being a pundit. You are the man. You are the woman. You are, you, there's no one better. 
And so in verse 8, Paul does this very masterful thing with Scripture, and he refers to Psalm 68, and he's doing this to inspire the Ephesus church. He refers to Psalm 68, and it's a reference to the Old Testament to show it was written to point forward. It wasn't an isolated event. And it wasn't just written to the exodus and, and to the captives being set free from Egypt and being set free from, from slavery. You know, that day Moses, he rises up, happens to be the day of Pentecost, actually, that occur, that, that is, uh, talking, that's talking about when, when Moses goes up to Mount Sinai. Moses goes up to Mount Sinai to receive from God's gifts. He goes up there. And the amazing gifts he brings down, one of the amazing gifts he brings down, and he brings many, but one of them is clarity. Clarity to God's people. The clarity that you truly are my precious possession. That you, even though you're slavery in Egypt and even though and, and you went through this and now here you are in the wilderness, you most definitely, 100%, confidently are my people. And so any Jew that's reading this passage, and there are many in Ephesus reading Ephesians, would be full of wonder full of delight, full of great confidence when they, there's reference to this passage in Psalm 68 because they would have remembered that not only did God take them out of Egypt, but he refined them. He refined them so that they can make it into the promised land as well. And that was a great encouragement to them. And it should be a great encouragement to us because we've gone through some refining over the last couple of years, haven't we? You know, what's great about this is it gives this image of God continually guiding us, encouraging us, being that father, holding our hand to cross the street or just to go for a walk. You know, this picture that Israel would have had of their God, and now it's the picture that Paul paints of Jesus. And it's an amazing picture. This scripture helps us with anxiety. You know, it helps us with, with the things that we may feel and, and kind of what our, we, we can have a lot of anxiety and a lot of questions about what is my role really? What is my role? How do I fit in? My nine-year-old is talking about fitting in already in fourth grade. And so we have these discussions and guess what? Those thoughts continue and they continue to adult age. They could continue into adulthood. I'm not sure what adult age is, but sure. Adulthood is what I meant to say. Thank you. Kevin says 18. There you go. So we can have those questions of what am I supposed to do? How, how, how is this for me? How is that for me? What is, what, is, what is it that I have to offer? Am I supposed to be used in this capacity? Or am I supposed to be used in that capacity? And all the hesitations and all the insecurities that might come with that. And so, but know this for sure. Be confident and vibrant. That it is God's will for every single one of us to do our parts. And that's what that reference to Psalm 68 does. Every one of us is meant to be on that path. And it's a path that does stretch us. It's a path that does guide us. It is a path that coaches us. So that we go to a place that is beyond our normal limits. That's where we want to be. We don't want to be in our normal limits. There's no faith in being in our normal limits, but going beyond our normal limits. Just be going beyond our strength so we rest in the strength of God and we rest in his will and we rest in his guidance and his coaching and his fatherhood and his encouragement. That's a great place to be. You know, there's this thing going on right now. It's called the World Cup. Who's been, who's been, who's been watching the World Cup? Anyone? Anyone? Been, okay, let's go. World Cup, right? 
World Cup is amazing. It only happens every four years. I love the NFL. The Fox guys go, yeah, the World Cup's kind of like the Super Bowl, except it only happens every four years instead of every one. So the Super Bowl is bigger. I'm like, what? Really? Come on. No, I don't. But anyways, I'm a big soccer guy. I'm definitely biased to that. And I'm like, hold on a sec. But, uh, but yeah, the World Cup's going on. Uh, the USA's in it. They're doing pretty good. They haven't won. They haven't lost. They've drawn two games, which that's why many people don't like soccer because there's draws. But soccer's amazing. And so I want to play, uh, play this video for you. It is like the hype video for the U.S. soccer team. Okay, and so uh, just, just, uh, just listen to the words. The words are super, super cool and, uh, and enjoy uh, being hyped for the U.S. men's soccer team. So here you go. Oh, did I do it? Doesn't work. It's okay. See, these are some of the guys. They're all excited. They're, they're, they're getting ready. They're getting ready for the World Cup. But anyways, the U.S. Uh, men's theme is only forward, okay? And, uh, and I, I like that. I feel like Paul is very much encouraging the Ephesus Church to only go forward, but to only go forward in an upward trajectory. Because we can go forward, and it could be downward, for sure. But only forward, that's what this video is about, is like we are going to become something we've never been before. We are going to go beyond our limits. The U.S. team did not make the World Cup in 2018, and it was a bummer. And so people are like, ah, see, they're no good. And they're like, no, we're going to change the perception of us. And I think that's what Paul's trying to do here, is he's trying to change the perception of who we are to be in Christ, and that we have this upward trajectory. And even though times have been tough, and even though there's some challenges in Ephesus, there's only forward, and it's only upward, because that is where Jesus is. And so some of the things that are said in this video is it says, it says about the U.S. team, they kill their egos because you can't kill your egos if you're going to kill giants. And I think, yeah, that's, that's dead on. We're, if, if we can't kill our egos, we're not going to kill giants. It takes the body of Christ for us to kill giants. It talks about this team. This team is just built different. And guess what? The Roanoke Valley Church is built different because it's built on Jesus. Okay? The church is built different. You're not like any other church. Chris and I had a great conversation in the Fellowship Before Service about how this church is different. I think about me seeking God for four years. There's a reason I'm still here 19 years later. This church is this built different than other churches. And I'll elaborate more on that later. You know, many, many, you know, and that is, you got to realize that. You are different. This is not just another church, guys. You are part of something significant and powerful and amazing, and it's led by Jesus. You know, this video talks about that there's a world of difference between what, we th what the world thinks we can do and what we know we can do. And there is a world of difference between what the world thinks that the Roanoke Valley Church can do in Jesus and what you guys think you can do in Jesus. A huge, immense difference. The video talks about, that, uh, talks about being a part of that work, loving that work. May we be about the work in Christ. It talks about there's 11 different players from de 11 different paths. Well, think about the Roanoke Valley Church. The Roanoke Valley Church is full of many, many multitudes more than 11 people with many different stories, with many, many, many different paths. And we only have one true direction to go, and that's only forward. That is the way to go. And, you know, a video like this, it causes me to miss the days of training. To miss these days of training. There it is. Yeah, these days. Not really these days, but I couldn't find my college soccer day picture. So, so this is what I got for you. So I'm, the low, I'm, the, I'm, uh, the, I'm on the bottom side, second one from, from the left. 
but I miss the days of training for soccer. I loved it. They were amazing days. They were powerful days. We were all aiming for this common goal of only going forward, but we never were thinking, yeah, one in 10, here we go. No, it was always like, hey, we're going upwards. We were eight and four last year. Now we're going to be, now, now we're going to be what? 12 and two. That's our goal. Like we don't, we weren't starting to see, it's so fun to start a season and get together and dream together and, and do things together. And, and uh, you know, I played in college and man, the pain that we endured. The first two weeks of the college soccer season, four days, we had four practices Monday through Friday for two weeks. First practice, 6 a.m. And by the end of the day, this is in Southern California, it's very dry heat there. We would be covered in our sweat that had dried up and now we're all, we got salt all over us. It's the only place that, that actually has happened, but you're probably not used to that here because of the humidity, but it's so dry heat there that that would happen. And we would, it would, you could tell how hard we worked and we dunk ourselves into lower than 50 degree cold whirlpools of water because we were in pain and we were suffering. And I used to run over two miles. I almost ran two miles and a half in 12 minutes. And, and, but we were all doing that. And it wasn't like, oh, wow, he ran farther than me. We were like, yeah, you did the work, man. You trained. You're ready. Here we go. Better record. Here we come. Only forward and only upward. That is where we're headed. And I miss those days. Those were great days. But this is the picture that Paul tries to paint here, that we are all together now being trained and in order for that to happen, Jesus, what does he have to do? He's going to give us some gifts. He's going to give us some gifts of some people to be a part of the coaching. In verse 11, it talks about apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Why do we need them? Because we actually began in a really dangerous place. We began in a boat as a toddler is what this passage talks about. Toddlers tossed around on a boat. Kind of an odd, bizarro picture, right? But not just toddlers tossed on the boat, but there's some cunning people there or tricksters on the boat. Paul gives a contrast of gross with a bunch of babies hanging out in a boat. And it's a very, it's, it's not a fun boat ride at all. This is not small world going on here, guys. There's no annoying story or song. It's stormy, it's rocky, it's getting me out of here right now because there's a bunch of babies on this boat. And so because, you know, in the midst of this stormy sea, there's these babies, but there's also, again, these cunning men, these tricksters, these con men that are on the boat with these babies. And that's the image of what God doesn't want us to be. But that's how we all start out on our journey, on our journey as Christians, as our journey as disciples, that's where we all start out. And so we need these gifts of these evangelists and pastors and teachers and prophets and apostles to help us. He gives us the gifts that allows us to train because God doesn't want us staying here. Right. We are to be those infants on the boat, toast back and forth in the cunning of men. But what Paul does is shows us we are, we, we are to live out being the church. It's got to be lived out. You know, we are to become purposeful. We are to become intentional, maturing, in the body of Christ. This is where our journey begins, on this boat. The word cunning is the idea of a, of a, of a, of a drifter or a huckster. I like that word. It reminds me of Ohio. Doesn't it remind you of Ohio a little bit, Dave? No? No? Okay. Huckster or a con man, right? And they come in to manipulate with the lies of the world these toddlers, to buy into the lies of the world, the, the, the untruths of the world. 
rather than hold on to the counterintuitive truth of the gospel of grace that's really ours to embrace and to live out and to love and to be excited to live it out. And so this image Paul gives is very strange for sure, very odd. But think about a boat manned by infants. It's not going very well, is it? There's one thing that's going to happen to that boat as it's in the stormy, wavy water is it's going to run into the waves and it's going to be capsized. It's not going to last very long, which means these tossed infants, they get overwhelmed. They get swamped and they for sure get ruined. For sure, a bunch of babies in a storm on a boat is going to go down. But to make it even worse, these infants are on this boat going down with a bunch of con men on it as well. That's just horrific. That's just terrifying. It's already terrifying enough. And Paul's like, no, it's actually even worse. There's going to be people trying to take you down, trying to get you to be deceived, trying to get you to fall into something that isn't of the truth at all. And so this is us if we don't get real about getting equipped. This is us if we don't get real about upward trajectory. This is us if we aren't willing to be only going forward and live the worthy walk that Paul talks about. You know, this is us if we buy into the modern mainstream Christianity model of church. I talked about, man, the Roanoke Valley Church is just plain different. It is different. It isn't about this guy up here and, you know, just being a performer and, and, and you're just the audience. That's not what it's about. It's not about that. The smokes and the lights and, oh, man, what a great concert that was. You know, it's not about just hoping somehow you just hang on but that the smoke keeps you coming back and the lights keep coming you back and the, the singing keeps coming back and there's clever little stories that keep you coming back so, so somehow you just stay afloat. That's not, that's not church, but that is the modern day church. But here's the thing, if that is it, if that's all church is meant to be, man, we're easy prey. We're easy prey. We probably won't change much. And here's the thing is we won't change much because Satan will have us right where he wants us to be, right where he wants us to be, and then we'll be living a lie. We'll be living a lie because we bought into it, because we bought into, well, this is what it must be. This is what everyone else is doing, and it's church. So here we go. Let's do this because somehow this is what we think church is. We start thinking, well, that's just the way it is, isn't it? That's just how it is, so this, is mu this must be how it is. But no one can board the boat the church, and be passive. Can't be a passenger just waiting for our drinks and peanuts to come by the aisle, which happens on airplanes, not boats. And it actually doesn't really happen anymore, does it? But here's the thing, is we can't, if we're just doing that, just being passive, just waiting for us to be fed and waiting for the drinks and the peanuts to come, man, we're just dead weight. We're just dead weight. Dead weight in hopes that, man, I hope the scenery gets good. I hope the scenery gets home. Why, why others are just straining at the oars, doing the work, doing the, the active, involved, upward trajectory. And man, I'm just, I'm, I'm just happy they're doing the oars because, man, I can't wait for good scenery. That is not the picture of the body of Christ that Paul paints here. And if we find ourselves without an oar, guess what? Each and every one of us, we're meant to have an oar. We're meant to have an oar. Not just live passively, being a pew warmer. Everyone is meant to strain at the oars to help us become more glorious. And everyone is meant to be excited 
about doing the work because it is of significance and it is important and it is immense. And what work you ask? You know, what, what, what work are we talking about here? What are we talking about work? Are you talking about work? Yeah, I'm talking about work. I'm not talking about practice. I'm talking about work. In Ephesians 2 verse 10, if you go ahead and flip the slide, it says, for we are God's handy work, significant, holy, amazing, incredible, sinless, pure, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He's got work prepared for us. You know that God good given work we've been prepared to do because we are saved. Because we have been redeemed. We're saved for works. And we are God's masterpiece. We are valuable. We are priceless. There's no value that God can put on us. You know, Jesus doesn't just regenerate us and say, hey, good luck. Go get them. Have at it. And I'll see you in a little bit. And just hope for the best. Say, there you go. Away with you. You've got it now. No, he continues to give us grace. And to be fully who we are and who we were always meant to be collectively as the body of Christ. You know, if we aren't at this place, we become easy prey. You know, pray for whatever compromises of truth the world wants to throw your way. And here's the thing that the world easily throws at me. This is my prey. My, this, is, this is how I get preyed on. Is guess what? Christians, holy, significant, amazing, incredible, royal priesthood, mighty warriors, saints, clothed in Christ like Galatians 3 talked about. Those people that God loves so much and has put so much into and has so much faith in, they've disappointed me. I've been hurt. And that makes me not want to grab an oar. Why would I do that? Why would I do that if I know I'm just going to be disappointed again? You can probably tell just in the however many minutes I've been up here that I'm kind of a jolly, in, 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 you know, energy kind of, kind of guy. And hurt is not fun. And disappointment is not fun. Everyone else seems happy, and I'm not happy. Everyone else outside of the church seems happy, and I'm not happy. And I can scroll and scroll and scroll and see, oh, look at their highlight. And I don't have that highlight. And I can compare. Everyone else has their act together, and I don't have my act together. I thought the church was flawless. I thought it was a utopia. But it's clearly not. And so I'm not going to grab an oar. Because why am I going to love and just get hurt? Why am I going to love and just get disappointed? You know, I think we can all have thoughts like this, especially the last two years. Lots of hurt, lots of disappointment, lots of confusion. And here's the thing is the world goes, hey, don't even go in. Why even go there then? Why even go? Man, my love's grown a lot the last two years. My, 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 my understanding of Jesus and how he accepted disappointment, disputes at his Thanksgiving dinner, this is, this, is what, this is why I did my ministry for this. I'm about to leave. The hurt, the pain, Jesus has been there. He's done that. He went through it, and then he still did what he did. You know, I think, man, we get these thoughts because 
We've come in and out of the waters of baptism with expectations. I have of expectations of how this is going to be. And I totally go over the scriptures that talk about it's going to be hard. It ain't going to be perfect. It's going to be difficult. And I totally overlook him because no, no, no. I'm going to be different. That ain't going to happen to me because I am Brian Douglas Hinkle. That's who I am. Totally an idealist. My idealism has hurt my faith. My idealism has affected my faith and where God wants me to be on that upward trajectory. You know, I get these thoughts of, man, I, I, I'm going to pour into these people and they're going to do great and they're going to do awesome and they're going to be righteous and holy and they're going to live for God. And then it doesn't happen. I'm like, man, they don't make it. My, my love must not be enough, so why should I love anymore? They decide to move away. They decide to go to the other places. My thoughts have been there. Roanoke, man, I did not like the Roanoke Valley Church. My thoughts for sure were there with Roanoke. But they've been there before. They've been there after. You know, but all those things I look at, they help me to not be an infant tossed. They help me move to a different place where, you know what? I could take it as disappointment and just get bitter and pull back and start to evade and be elusive and isolate. Or that can teach me to engage more and teach me to engage in Christ more. Because Christ, somehow, he kept doing it and he didn't stop. And so I think, you know, we can't let our idealistic mindset destroy scriptures. Destroy scriptures like this. Or disregard all the pain and hurt that Jesus went through that make him Lord. You know, we have to be realistic. There's a reason this chapter goes from toss infants to body of Christ built in love. Because there's going to be challenges. There's going to be storms. There's going to be waves. It's going to be rocky. You know, because being a disciple isn't easy. There's a reason Peter, Jesus' main wingman, walks away from Jesus. Because he had this idealistic perspective of what following Jesus should be. You know, and there's a reason in the beginning of Ephesians 4 that Paul urges to live a worthy life. A worthy life, it talks about being completely humble, gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love. I used to overlook that and be like, here I go, I'm going to be that. And not go, oh, wait. He's saying that because there's going to be some challenges. And we got to stick together. And we got to fight for each other. And I didn't see that at all. You know, over the last two and a half years, like I've said, it's been hard. We've had to fight for that. Disappointment after disappointment, hurt after hurt. When it seems like there is so many other things to fight for, we've got to fight for the body of Christ. We've got to fight for that upward trajectory. The truth is being a disciple is hard. And building these relationships, it does take being realistic, not idealistic. Not idealistic, it means verse 15, speaking the truth in love. You know, not giving up because it's hard, which I think the world wants to say and Satan wants to say, hey, it's hard, just give up, just do something else. There's a ton of other things you can contribute to and find fulfillment and feel significant. And, and, then, and then we start thinking, man, this is not a worthy life. Yeah, it is. For you to be disappointed and hurt and to continue to fight for it, to continue to fight for the name of Jesus who died and bled for you and you were healed because of him? That is worthy. That is totally worthy. That's why this church is different. 
We don't just give up. The truth, we don't just give up and go, well, I know that's what it says. When, when do these thoughts happen? When these thoughts happen, Satan strikes, and we're easy prey for him. When, and, and here's the thing is these thoughts cause us to become passive. And if you're just sitting on the boat not realizing that you should or could do something and you don't have that all-hands-on-deck mentality, then you're at risk. You're in danger because you're a tossed toddler ready to play a game with a super-duper trickster. You know, when, when there's a guest speaker that comes in dating and I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of hanging out, I'm like, I got to do something. There's something I got to do. What, what, what is it? How, how can I help? Where can I go? What can I do? I came in here today. Hey, John, you need any help? Hey, there's always something to do. There's always something. I don't care if I'm a guest speaker or I'm a minister. I can put chairs away. I'm a disciple. I'm a disciple before I'm a minister, okay? I can put chairs away. I can put mics away. I can, I can lift this up, see? I can do that. I can do that. It's amazing. I know how to pour juice into communion cups. I can do that. And there's so many other things, probably things that we don't even think about because we're like, well, this is how it is. No, there's so much more we can do. Just You've got ideas. Share the ideas. Go after the ideas that God's put on your heart. You know, I think, man, we've got to engage. When we're engaged, you are insulated from the deceitful schemings of the world. Then you're able to uphold truth, promote the gospel, uphold Jesus, make a difference in the world that you were reborn to always make. So how is it, how is it that we are to engage and really be effective and grab the oar and make the big difference living out the worthy life we're meant to live? There you go. Thank you. So I'm just going to go through three quick little thoughts here. The first thought is we are trained by Jesus to do the work of Jesus. We're meant to get in the God's gym and do some work. Because if we don't, it's just a downward spiritual spiral of self-focus. And we become a shipwreck of what we are actually meant to be in Christ. Paul very much is painting an amazing picture of a worthy life. And the worthy life comes because Jesus gave himself up. And so, man, so that we would have every opportunity to be trained by the very body of Christ. Now, Jesus has descended. Jesus has a plan, right? It says he's descended. He's descended. He has a plan. Guess what the plan is? It's the body of Christ. That's the plan. You play the role of the body of Christ. You know, it's not like the neck just gets fed from the head. No, the head, the neck. The, the neck just doesn't benefit from the training. The shoulders benefit from the training. And the upper arms benefit from the training. And the forearms benefit from the training. And the wrists and the digits, they all benefit from the training. Learning of Christ and sharing the life of Christ is the function of the body. We are to learn of him and draw from him in the body. You know, and how much are we bringing Jesus to one another? And that doesn't, and again, that doesn't just mean like, hey, let's just talk about Jesus. But are you bringing Jesus are you showing his patience? Are you showing his forgiveness? Are you showing his love? Are you showing his servitude? Are you showing his truth side? Are you showing his grace side? Yes, sure, talk about Jesus as well. The second thing uh, is to, uh, yeah, realize who you are. To engage in the worthy life, you got to realize who you are. Do you realize who you are? You are the most significant person on this earth. 
because you are part of the body of Christ. And it's time to live that worthy life and move forward, upward, training ourselves. You are a redeemed Christian if you're sitting here. If you've been, if you repented and been baptized, you are a redeemed Christian. And you don't really, and here's the thing, man, do you have an intentional thought about where you're going? What your plan is? I am focusing on this for the rest of 2022. I am praying for 2023 and where God wants me to focus and grow in to be that solid, strong man or woman in Christ, to be a part of the plan of Jesus. And here's the thing. If you're getting struck by this right now, if you're kind of getting a gut punch, or if you're like, oh, man, I'm getting sideswiped. I didn't see this coming. Well, take this as the Holy Spirit. John 16, 8, convicting you of sin and righteousness and judgment. Take it as that. Don't just try and tread water. Trying to tread water and maintain, you, you can't maintain that. That's dangerous. Raise your trajectory. Raise it even just one degree. What about Bob? Take that baby step. You guys remember that movie? Baby step out the door. Baby step up the stairs. Baby step in my Bible. Baby step in prayer. Baby step in forgiveness. Take one degree of upward trajectory. The third thing is to engage in the, to engage in the worthy life is to know where you are headed. What's your plan? Where are you going? Let, the, let those plans do things for you to train you and equip you and think, okay, here's a book I can read and I can talk to people about this because I want to go here. And so I'm going to, this is going to be my conversation. It's going to be focused a lot on this because this is where I'm going. And just to kind of quicken things up a little bit, the fourth thing to engage in the worthy life is be a disruptor. Be a disruptor. How are we doing at disrupting our decline? How are we doing at disrupting others' declines? so that we can incline, so we can grow and move forward with an upward trajectory with Christ at the top, moving forward, living that worthy walk. We need an outside force in our lives. How much fun is it when you do it with other people? Will is talking about the, the, the serving project. He's like, yeah, we did this and then Denver Alonda left for some reason, I don't know why, but, and then he, but he, probably, he probably remembers that because he's like, oh, man, now this is harder. But man, we were in it together, right? When we have that outward force, who are you being an outward force for to get them going forward, upward and forward? We need outside forces in our small groups. We need to be disruptors for each other. This isn't just a leadership thing. Well, this is what the leaders are for. We're all in the boat. We're all on the boat. We are all part of the body of Christ. We've all been chosen. And here's the thing. If you've all been chosen and you just sit it out, well, guess what? What's the world going to do? Get out of here. Get out of here. Grab an oar. Don't just chill. Grab an oar and let's do something. Imagine being on a team. You're on that team and that was a teammate's mentality. I'm just chilling. What would you do? You would disrupt. Well, disrupt here. This is a family. This is a team. Disrupt away. Disrupt with love. That's not to show up to things. Let's grab an oar, grab a weight, lift it, curl it, put it in, you know, push it, pull it, whatever. Grab a ball, throw it, shoot it, kick it, go, yes! Do something, do something. The Roanoke Valley Church and all of our churches aren't meant to be an 80-20 church where 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. Let's never, ever get to that place, you know, where we're just showing up and we're just filling the seat. Let's be intentional. Let's have a worthy walk, moving only forward with Jesus. It's time to kick the common out of the boat and be the disruptors we are meant to be. It's time to do work as the body of Christ 
and Jesus calls us to do work here in the Roanoke Valley Church. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon. Be sure to check back every Sunday for new sermons listed right here. Subscribe to us on YouTube and like us on Facebook to stay in touch with all that God is doing in the Roanoke Valley Church. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.